I love the last part of the text that Matt read in Luke 24 where they reported all that they have heard and seen to the 11 disciples and to all the rest. And today I, I want us to think about that because from there what happened on that Easter, word of the resurrection has continued for centuries. Over 2,000 years, that word has continued to be passed on and passed on. And today, I want us to look at the overflow of the resurrection and how the truths of the resurrection have, have passed down from generation to generation and ultimately what that means for us. I mean, let's think about it. On that day where we have recorded in Luke 24, they didn't have the Easter bunny, right? They didn't have Easter eggs and, and candy in it, and, and that's all cool and fine, and it's fun. And I love, man, kids, my wife puts together these Easter back, baskets and chocolate bunnies, and, and, and I love that. But Easter is more than a holiday. It's, it's more than something wrapped up with all of that, right? Easter is about the one who is no longer in the tomb, but is risen. But the question today is, is what does that mean for us? Well, I want to make really this kind of hyped up statement, but there's not really a lot of hype to it because it's really true. And it's the fact that, that Jesus, his resurrection changes everything. What happens on this day that we remember his resurrection 2,000, over 2,000 years ago, is it changes everything, everything. The course of history for a new era begins where new creation enters into history. And the question is, well, what does that mean? And what does that mean for you and I, this truth that has been passed down about Christ rising? What does it mean for you and I? And so today what I would like for us to do is you have maybe your Bibles there. Or there's Bibles there under the chair for you. Um, I think first row, uh, you got, I don't know, I think you got missed this morning with Bibles. No Bibles under there. But if maybe if you want one, there's maybe someone behind you that will let you borrow one. But uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it's on page 138 of the New Testament section. I want us to see today that the truth of the resurrection, the, the glorious truth of, of this good news that we celebrate today, and then look at how it impacts those who accept it and believe it. And there's two things I want us to see in relation to that. And so first, the truth of the resurrection and, and what it means for us, this glorious good news and so look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. Uh, Paul is the writer of 1 Corinthians. He radically opposed Christianity. He was against it. He persecuted Christians. But one day on the road to Damascus, he was stopped in his tracks. And he immediately stopped what he was doing. His life was changed forever as Jesus Christ met him on the road there. And he came face to face with the risen Lord, the Savior. And he forever had his life changed. Now, that day changed Paul's life. And from there on, he got passed on to him the same words that were passed on after Jesus rose and kept being passed on. He got that truth passed on to him. Well, what is that truth that changed his life? 
Well, he shares it with us in verse 3 of this chapter 15. He says, for I delivered to you, and so Paul's going to deliver, he's going to pass on this word that's been passed on to him as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so there's three things that he mentions here about the great good news that has changed his life. The first thing he says is that Christ has died. Now, we know the death of someone is, is, is sad. It, it causes us to grieve. But the death of Jesus Christ, though, yes, sad because his death was glorious. And it was good news for us. And why? Because what Paul says is he died for our sins. The Bible tells us that the people are wicked, that, that our hearts are not right, they're not good, that, that we cannot know God because of our disobedience to God. The Bible calls that sin. It tells us that all have sinned, that all have fallen short of the glory of God, the standard of God. And because of that, the wages of sin is death. It means we're separated from God. Just as Adam and Eve sinned in the garden back in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see the picture there of them in the garden, but then after they sin, they are separated from God and kicked out of the garden. And so it is with People today, we are born into sin, separated from God, cannot know God. But Paul says right here, Christ died. For what? For our sins. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and free from the power of sin. My wife and I have four children, and our youngest one is five. And this whole week, she's been setting up stages of the cross in our living room with pillows and Barbie dolls, construction paper. And I loved it. Last night, she put a little rope up, a little jump rope, and she had all of us, all six of us line up. She says, all right, get in the line. We're about to go through it. Okay? So she lets the uh, jump rope go. And we start walking through. We stand at these stations. And the first station were three crosses with um, Ken Doll man, disco-looking Ken Doll man, by the way, in the middle, and he's Jesus hanging on the cross, but he had clothes laying to the side of him, all right? Very accurate to Scripture, all right? She's staying true to it, all right? Because they cast lots for, lots for his garments. And then the second stage was just a cross. And we looked at Eliana. We said, okay, Eli, Eli what are we doing here? And she said, Take this pen and everybody write their name, okay, on this. I'm like, all right. And she goes, I want you to know that Jesus died for your sins. And I thought, yes. And that's what Paul's saying here. Now, we did get to the third station. Third station, we couldn't finish it because it was Saturday, all right? And Ken Barbie was in the tomb, all right, with pillows all around him. And she let us look in. She says, he's there, but he has to stay there till tomorrow, right? Because tomorrow's Easter. <laughs> but I want you to get the great truth of, of the second stage. What she was saying is, your name, written on that paper with a, with a cross. So what does it mean? She said, it means that Jesus died for our sins. That's why Jesus died, for our sins, so that we could be free from sin, the power of sin, that we could be free from the power of death. 
which is the payment of our sin. The question is, who's going to pay for our sins? Is it going to be us? Because the Bible says we all will pay unless Jesus pays for them. So Paul says he died for our sins. And then he says, according to scriptures. Paul didn't have what we have today with the New Testament, with the gospel writings and, and obviously his writings. He had the Old Testament. And the Old Testament testified with scriptures like Isaiah 53 verse 10 where it says the Lord was pleased to crush his own son, him, the Messiah, putting him to grief. And if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. There's verses like that who speak of what will happen to the Messiah, that he will die. And Paul would read those and have those passed down on to him. And they pointed to Jesus who died for our sins. Then he says he was buried. Now, you might think of, well, well, duh, he was, he was buried, but that's significant because what that means is that his death was final. The Bible tells us that Joseph Arimathea was allowed to take Jesus' body down, laid him in a tomb, and that's a big deal because it speaks to the reality of his resurrection that Jesus physically died and was placed in a tomb. And he would lay there Friday night. He would lay there Saturday. And then the third day, according to what Paul says right here, it says that Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. With one breath on the third day, the beginning of the eternal existence of the God-man in a glorious new body in which he would finally reign on the earth forever happened. And that will happen. We'll talk more about that. It will come. But Jesus will raise from the grave and he will spend 40 days on earth. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts. And so the resurrection is stated as proof of the efficiency of Christ's death for our sins. And so he was raised up on the third day. Now after that, the question is, what did he do? Now this is significant and Paul tells us that. Look at verse five. It says, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is also Peter. Peter was the leader of the disciples of the 12, eventually the 11. Um, then to the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Paul says there was this occurrence that has been passed on to him, and he knew some of these people. They were still alive where Jesus showed up and appeared to over 500 people at one time. And then in verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So who is James? James is Jesus' half-brother. And so Jesus went to him. Who is also James? He's the leader of the church of Jerusalem. And so that was significant, that he had physically appeared to James. And last of all, one untimely born, he appeared to me also. So here's what I want you to get. What's the importance of these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus? Jesus wasn't just some spirit when he raised. He was in bodily form, a glorified body, a body that he's still in today in heaven. And for 40 days, he appeared to many. He even ate a meal. In fact, in Luke, uh, one of the gospels, it tells us, he says, hey, what's for dinner, right? He ate. He was in bodily form, and he still is today. The Bible tells us after 40 days when he appeared to many that he ascended to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God, reigning and ruling 
and will one day return again in bodily form in his glorified body. He is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh forever. And so Paul says he also appeared to me. Now this is where I want you to hear the good news because here's Paul. Paul didn't get to see Jesus when he was here on earth for those 40 days. But an experience where Paul had on the road to Damascus, he met Christ there. Christ changed his life. And that's what Jesus wants for us. So the question is, what do we do with these truths? What do we do with these truths? Do, is it just something good on a Sunday morning for an hour to, to agree with and say, man, that just sounds really good. That's, it sounds good. We just heard some great songs about it. Yeah. No. These are truths that are to radically change our life. That's what it's for. It's not just for knowledge's sake. It's not just for you know, that one day on the calendar a year's sake. And so what do we do with it? Well, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, this is what you do. You confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so the question is, do, do we believe these to be true? Do we believe what Jesus Christ did? Just as Eliana said, hey, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that? Because he did. And the Bible says if you believe it, and if you believe that he rose from the grave, that you will be saved. And in response to that, what do we do? We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. This morning, we've got a few more things we want to talk to you about, but I, I want you to hear that. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ and confessed him as Lord, I want you over the next 10 or so minutes to listen more closely and to hear what the resurrection means for those who do confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that he was risen from the dead. And today, I want to invite you to do that. So here's what he did for us who would confess him as Lord and believe in their hearts. Here's the overflow of the resurrection. And so if you'll just give me a few moments, I want to show you, still in 1 Corinthians 15, there on page 138, look at verse 20. And I want to show you something here. Jesus' resurrection impacts us. It wasn't just an event. It wasn't just something just passed along, just as something, hey, you won't believe this. He's alive now. But it meant something for the world. And so what does it mean? Well, look at verse 20. He says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep or dead. This means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts others. He was the first fruit of the larger group of those whom God has chosen for salvation and will be resurrected just as Jesus was. And so what does that really mean? Well, it means this, that Jesus was the first to rise from the dead. He is the first one to do that. He's the first one who overcame the grave forever. And so he's a rising representative of those who believe in him. That's who he is for us. He's our representative. He's the one who is risen and who leads the way for those who believe in him. 
And then look what verse 21 and 22 says. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. And so who is this man that death came by? And who is Adam will all die? We go back to Genesis. We mentioned him before. Because of sin of Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world where we all are sinners. And as a result, the wages of sin is death. We've communicated that. And so what he says right here is we can either remain in Adam in our sin, and our destiny is eternal death. Not just physical death, but eternal death, eternal separation from God. But those who are in Christ, it says, in one man also came the resurrection of the dead, and in Christ all will be made alive. So what does Christ represent? Christ represents life, and he is the one who can make us alive. And here's the two points I want you to get today. First of all, the resurrection makes those who believe in Jesus, confess him as Lord, it makes them spiritually alive. Secondly, those who confess Jesus as Lord and believe in the resurrection, one day they will physically raise again. They will have new bodies. Now, we don't talk a lot about that in churches. And maybe you haven't been in church for a while, and maybe you've never even heard of that. But that's one of the significant points of the resurrection. And so those two things, first of all, this spiritual resurrection. First of all, I want you to hear this. The first point with that is that, that spiritual resurrection is only possible in Jesus Christ. That's it. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Simply that means you believe in Christ, you become united with him in his death. So his death on the cross becomes a payment for your sin. His death becomes your death, and you want that. Because if you don't have that, you pay for your sin. That doesn't end well. But those united with Jesus by faith, his death is credited to your account to where what you owe because of your sin, what I owe because of my sin, it becomes washed clean, wiped away. Your debt is paid. And now... Now, you can walk alive in the newness of life. And that is only possible because of Jesus. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 45, it tells us, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. You can only find this new life. You can only be a new creation. You can only be born again. You can only have your soul saved through the life-giving spirit of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Morality won't do it. Showing up on Easter Sunday once a year won't do it. Only believing in Jesus Christ. That's it. And he's a life-giving spirit. He gives new life. And so what does that mean? Those who confess him as Lord and believe in his heart. It also means, secondly, that they no longer are in their sins. 1 Corinthians 
15, 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So Paul uses the negative side in an argument. He says, hey, listen, if Christ hasn't raised from the dead, then, man, we're still stuck in our sins. But the positive side of that is he has risen. And as a result of that, those who believe are no longer in their sins because he has died for them. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any was in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Thirdly, we're no longer guilty of our sin. Why? Because he's bore them. And now we are made right with Jesus. Romans 4, 25 says, He was raised because of our justification. The death of Jesus paid for our sin. His resurrection is proof that the death of Christ was sufficient, was effective. And he overcame sin and death on our behalf. And so we are made right through what Jesus does on the cross and by overcoming the grave. We are no longer guilty. Fourthly, we're given the Holy Spirit. This is important. Those who confess and believe Jesus is Lord and he rose from the grave. They are given the Holy Spirit. Jesus told this to his disciples in John 7. He told them one day in verse 38 and 39 that he who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus says the spirit of God is gonna come one day and live and reside in people's hearts like living water when Jesus is glorified. When, when is that? When, him, when will he be glorified? In his death, his resurrection, and his ascension when he goes to heaven. And that has happened. The Bible tells us in Acts 2 that that day has happened. It happened at the day of Pentecost when his disciples and apostles, those who believed in him that day, received the Holy Spirit. And today, it's the same. Those who confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart, they receive the Spirit of God in them like a river of living water. The fifth and, and final with spiritual resurrection, we are forever free from the power of sin and death. The Bible tells us that we become united with him in the likeness of his death in Romans 6, 5 through 7. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he has died and now we are freed from our sin. That's the hope we have, that sin no longer holds us captive, but we have been set free from the power of sin and death. That's the spiritual resurrection. It's being born again. It's, it's having this new life. It's becoming a new creation. And that's what the resurrection of Jesus has done for us. Now, Paul makes this interesting statement in 1 Corinthians 15, 19. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are, all, we are of all men, all people, most pitied. What was he saying? He was saying this, hey, if you're only looking to the present, to the now, and what the resurrection means for you now, don't just do that, but also look for what it means in the future, after one dies. It's interesting, 
Because a lot of times what I have found in, in ministry is often we're trying to get people to look at the now, right? And not just look to, well, I'm going to die one day and go to heaven, right? Often we're doing that. And, and, and Paul isn't saying don't do that. Paul's saying, no, live presently in the hope of the resurrection. It impacts you now. It impacts you today. Don't miss out on that. But he says, I also want you to know that those who confess Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the day, dead, it impacts the future as well. How? And I'm going to close with that. I want you just to show, see this. It affects us not only spiritually, but physically. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says, I would prefer to be rather in, absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. What was Paul saying? Paul saying, man, I'd, I'd love to be absent from this physical body and be present with the Lord in heaven. So absence from the body means to be present with the Lord. Those who have been spiritually raised up, born again, made new, believe that when we face death with confidence, we know that when we die, that our soul will be absent from this physical body. We've, many of us said in funerals before, we, we know what that's like. But that those who believed in Christ, that their soul, who they are, are in heaven with Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about. And that is true. And we look forward to that. And that's the hope that we have because Jesus has overcome the grave. But I also want you to know what Jesus is talking, or Paul is talking about here as well. It's the hope of heaven. But it's also the hope of this, and this is the last point I want you to get today, is that one day we will have new physical bodies like Jesus. That's our destiny. And that's the fullness of the resurrection. Remember, Jesus brings new creation spiritually, but also physically. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, he had a glorified body, which he is now eternal. He's eternal forever, the God-man. And so where do we get this at? Well, look at this verse, Philippians 3, 20 through 21. Paul tells us this, for our citizenship is in heaven. That's now. Those who confess Jesus as Lord, believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, our spiritual citizenship now is in heaven. But then he says, from which we also eagerly wait a savior. We are waiting now as Christians, as believers, for Jesus Christ to return one day. He says, his last words to the church is, I am coming soon. And we wait expectantly for that and believe that he is coming again. And when he does, listen to what this verse says up on the screen. He will transform the body of those who believe in our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he is even to subject all things to himself. What that means is Jesus, when he comes back, for those who have believed in him, they will be given an imperishable, eternal body. Whether they are dead at that time, their soul is in heaven, their physical body here, or they are alive when he turn, returns. Paul tells us this, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, meaning he's telling everybody, hey, we, not all are gonna die before Jesus returns. But he says, but we will all be changed, those who believe in Christ. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet sound, the dead, will be raised imperishable and will be changed. 
Let me ask you today. Have you confessed Jesus is Lord? Have you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the grave? Do you believe that? Do you? The Bible tells us if we do, that our sins are forgiven, that we receive the free gift of eternal life. What that means is we have this spiritual resurrection. Our soul that was once dead in sin is now made alive in Jesus Christ. We're a new creation, and that's the power of the resurrection. And Jesus, because of that, now wants us to follow him. We confess him as Lord. Now we follow him with our life. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us so that we can overcome sinful habits. And now that we can follow him and live for him and serve others and love others just as Jesus did. And as we do, we wait for his coming again. And we have hope that whether we die or whether he returns before we die, that when he does, we will be with him and he will conform our physical bodies into the same as his, to where we have glorified bodies to live with him forever in the new creation of the new heavens and the new earth. That's our destiny. And that's the power of the resurrection. And that's why today we can have hope because Jesus truly changes everything through the resurrection. Do you believe that? I pray today you would take that verse in Romans 10, 9, and that you, just as Paul calls us to do, to confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If today you do that, maybe for the first time, I want to encourage you, um, maybe today, maybe sometime this week, um, take an opportunity, maybe it's to go on our website, uh, find uh, some of our pastors and staff there, their emails or elders, and maybe click on an email. Maybe it's mine, uh, Jerry Witham. Uh, you'll find it there. And, and just say, hey, I'd love to know more about what it means to follow Jesus. Here's the deal. We'd love to talk to you more. We'd love to, to meet with you. And maybe even before that, maybe it's today after the service. You want to stick around. Maybe you've got plans coming later, but maybe you just want to touch base with us and say, hey, listen, maybe you're, you're there today and you've believed in Christ. You want us to know that. Or maybe you just simply want somebody to follow up with you. And one of the things that we like to do, we like coffee, all right? And so we can talk over coffee uh, or whatever. <laughs> but we'd love, if God is working in your heart, stirring you in your heart about the truth of Jesus Christ and the truth of his death and the truth of his resurrection, we, we'd love to just come alongside you, encourage you, and, and help you in community uh, and, and just be a friend to you. Um, as you continue to search out Jesus Christ. And so today, believe. Let me pray.